Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Dr. Suzanne Bartlett Hackenmiller. Dr. Hackenmiller is a physician and author who is board certified in both OBGYN and integrative medicine. Her personal experience with the healing effects of time outdoors drove her to explore nature as a healing modality for her patients. As a result, she has pursued certifications in herbal medicine, Ayurveda, and is a certified forest therapy guide. She has served as the medical director of the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy and is currently chief medical advisor for All Trails. She practices gynecology and integrative medicine and serves as the lead physician for Corpora Whole Health in Carefree, Arizona. Suzanne is the award-winning author of The Outdoor Adventures Guide to Forest Bathing, published in 2019, and A Friend Like John, Understanding Autism, published in 2011. She is the founder and creator of Trail RX, a program providing parks and trail systems with mental and physical health prescriptions for their users. She speaks internationally about integrative medicine and nature therapy. Suzanne and her husband, Joe, are avid outdoor enthusiasts and lead workshops combining outdoor adventure and the mindful practice of forest bathing. I think at this point, we all know that getting out in nature benefits us. But in this episode, Dr. Hackenmiller will not only go into detail on some benefits you may not have heard of, but also share how you can maximize those benefits, even if you're only outside for five minutes a day, called forest bathing. And no, it does not require you to take off your clothes. She'll also share her best tips for getting outside more, especially as the temperature starts to drop. Welcome, Dr. Hackenmiller. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today to talk more about nature, which I don't feel like we have enough episodes on and how it can truly heal us and make us feel our best. Um, So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, great. Thank you for having me. I'd love for you to start off with telling our listeners a little bit more about your journey into integrative medicine and then also nature therapy. Cause I know you were kind of on one track and then you did a little oh switch. Yeah. I mean, my life has been one big series of tangents. <laughs> I love it. You know how they say you don't plan a life, you live one. So, uh, yes. So yeah, my background is originally OBGYN and I've been practicing in OBGYN in various forms for the last 22 years. And then because life takes us on these journeys, um, I was the most conventionally minded physician that many people knew 20 years ago. So people who haven't really been in contact since that time are often shocked to hear what has transpired in the interim, because I was all about the pharmaceutical drugs and surgery and that there was really no room for all this other woo-woo stuff. But the universe had a way of pointing out that there is an important use for the woo-woo stuff. And and really, as as things have gone on in terms of my career and and all, I think pretty soon it's no longer woo-woo, it's just medicine. So... Um, I have a son who was diagnosed with autism when he was about three. I have a daughter who's typically developing, and I had a husband who was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer in 2008. So, you know, in the, at that time, I was very busy practicing OBGYN, sometimes in a, in solo capacity. So on call, and as you may 
now babies are often, you know, they often arrive in the middle of the night. And so um, trying to juggle two little kids, one with special needs, and then having a husband diagnosed with a terminal illness was a lot. Uh, I was already dealing with quite a bit of burnout myself professionally during those years. Um, I would seek, you know, I would do those uh, questionnaires on physician burnout. And every time I would do one, it would say, um, seek professional help immediately. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what I, you know, what would that look like? How am I ever going to seek any help for any of my issues that I was dealing with? So it never fails that everybody comes to you with their suggestions for things you should try, even if you're a physician, I found. And so with my son with autism and with my husband with cancer, um, people would come to me and say, oh, have you tried this diet or have you tried this supplement or have you tried this various, you know, alternative approach for these conditions? And I felt like, gosh, none of this was incorporated in my medical training, but I would hear some recurring themes. And so I started to think, could there possibly be any validity to any of these complementary and alternative approaches? And if there is, how in the world would I no. And so I really didn't know. Um, but in 2010, I heard Dr. Andrew Weil speak at a conference and I had never heard of him in 2010, which a lot of my patients and friends and followers find really funny because many people, of course, have been following him for decades. So I had no idea who he was in 2010, but he was named as one of Time Magazine's most influential people. So I thought I should go hear this guy speak. So I did. And needless to say, it was life-changing because he coined the term integrative medicine and he started the fellowship in integrative medicine at the University of Arizona. So immediately I knew that I needed to apply for the fellowship. Uh, I needed to go this direction, not only for my family members, but for my patients and for myself. And so it was really a heal the healer and heal the healer's family and heal the healer's patients and everything to just go in this direction. So I completed the fellowship in integrative medicine in the winter of 2013. And um, then I went on to study herbal medicine for a couple more years after that with Dr. Tirone Lodog. Um, I found that after my husband passed away in 2012, that my personal healing took place outdoors. And at first it was all about the adrenaline rush. Um, and as an obstetrician, um, some of your listeners may be able to relate to this. Um, certain medical professions tend to be geared towards those of us who have, you know, the need for an adrenaline rush. <laughs> <laughs> so I discovered that I was I was uh, replacing adrenaline rush in medicine with adrenaline rush outdoors. So I was I was mountain biking and trail running and kayaking and doing everything, uh, you know, probably trying to run away from my problems originally, training for adventure triathlons and and loving that and finding that to be very healing at the time. But then at some point recognized that I needed some balance, um, learned about the practice of forest bathing or shininyoku and decided I wanted to become certified as a forest therapy guide, which I did in 2017. And I had been dab dabbling in this idea of forest bathing with participants at workshops I was leading ever since 2015 or 2016 and finding that people really resonated with it. 
so then when I finally became certified, it was just kind of, you know, kind of took off in that direction. So, um, so my practice now involves all kinds of things, still some conventional OBGYN, integrative medicine, um, forest therapy guide. I do a lot of consulting and speaking and writing about nature as a healing modality. So I could go off on many tangents on any of those um, tangents, but uh, that's that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> no, that's so fascinating. And I'm, I'm curious, can you explain a little bit more what forest bathing is? Yes. Uh, and also, and how yeah. it you know, the benefits of it and how it can heal us. Cause I know, so, you know, it's for people with any, right. Like anywhere from just your average person who doesn't think they have anything wrong with them to someone right. with maybe anxiety or cancer yeah. or terminal illness. Totally. Um, what is it and how can it help us? Right. Well, as you can imagine, I started guiding forest therapy walks in Iowa back in 2015, and I would post them on social media and people thought I was out of my mind. You can only imagine forest bathing. What are you doing? And people would call the facility, you know, the nature center and ask if clothing was optional or what are you people doing out in the forest? So forest bathing is not clothing optional. You don't even need to bring your swimsuit. Um, but forest bathing is literally translated from the Japanese who realized that their patients were increasingly suffering from mental health disorders, depression, anxiety, and, and suicide incidents was very high. And so they wondered if they took people out of the city of Tokyo into the forest, if that would improve their mental health conditions. And even if it would help their physical health conditions, and they found that it did. And so they would take people out into nature to take nature in through the senses in a very mindful, contemplative, quiet, slow way. So it was not about the exercise of hiking. It was not a nature identification walk. It was simply just being in nature and taking it in through the senses. So when they started looking at what was happening to their participants, they found that they had improvements in their blood pressure, in their heart rate variability, in their cortisol, the stress hormones in their saliva. And when they asked them to complete questionnaires about their mental health, they saw consistently that there were improvements in really all parameters of mental health, their depression, anxiety, their overall vitality, self-esteem, confusion, all of these different things that they would ask about were improved after spending time in nature in this way. Yeah. I was going to say, how many times per week were, did they have to go out in nature? Like how often were they leaving the city and going in nature like that? Right. So initially in Japan, they would take them out on three-day, two-night excursions of this type. So much longer than necessarily we would do now, but but perhaps like a weekend camping trip or, you know, a long weekend out of nature. Um, and so initially it was that, but now they've done studies on just full day or half day or, you know, a couple, two to three hour forest therapy excursions and found that even, even in just a couple of hours, people can have similar effects. And so the studies now looking at nature and health, just keep looking at, you know, what is the magic number of amount of time that we need for 
health or for nature and health. And I have my own thoughts on that too. <laughs> well, I mean, we'd love to hear your own thoughts too. And I'm curious, uh, like I want to hear that. And then I'm curious when you're actually guiding someone mm-hmm. or doing one of these forest bathing guides, what are you having people pay attention to when they're right. out in nature? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Well, um, I trained with the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy, and um, we were trained to guide participants using what is known as a standard sequence, where we take them from the everyday kind of monkey mind state, slowly deeper and deeper out of that state into what we refer to as the liminal state, which is kind of a subconscious, almost dreamlike state. And then we keep them there for a little while and then guide them back out of it. And we typically end each um, forest bathing walk with a tea ceremony in the Japanese tradition. Um, And so let's see. So what would that look like? What is actually your question? So we typically start with, we use the language of invitation. So we invite participants to take nature in in this way. Obviously, nobody's required to do anything that we we suggest, but they're invited to try these different things. And so we typically start with an invitation that is known as the pleasures of presence, which is just really about closing your eyes or lowering your gaze to the ground and, and listening. It's almost like a guided meditation or a guided imagery out in nature where we invite them to notice the different things. And it might start with noticing the way the air feels as it comes in contact with your body, noticing the temperature of the air, the moisture of the air, the way the air moves, the fragrances and things like that. Um, we would have them notice sounds perhaps starting with the sounds within the body and then a little bit further out and then as far out as they can hear. Um, we, we go through all the different senses in, in this way and then conclude that invitation with opening your eyes, taking nature in as if really for the, we offer the opportunity for them to share something that they noticed during the previous invitation. And it's felt that sharing in this way helps to solidify the experience in your mind, much like sharing a dream or writing a dream down helps to solidify it in your experience. Oh, that's so fascinating. It also just sounds yeah. so nice. I'm like, can I go on that right now? Yeah, um, I know it is. And then, so then we do a series of invitations and they change every time depending on the location and the topography and the landmarks in the area. But we might do one that involves coming into physical contact, touching the ground or touching water in a creek or even taking your shoes off and wading in the creek or you know, wrapping your arms around a tree and things like that. Um, and, and we just, we have hundreds and hundreds of invitations. We're constantly making up invitations as we go along and, uh, just different ways of noticing nature and, you know, it triggers memories for people, often memories of play as a child and things like that. And, um, we find that it's very healing for people. Yeah. And what I like is it seems like with forest bathing, it's not like there are certain things like if you want to end right with the traditional tea ceremony, but it seems like it really just encompasses being in nature and experiencing nature. So like you said, you can create new invitations and 
Um, I guess in my mind before we spoke today, I thought it was like, you know, kind of more of like a rigid practice right? because I was, I was curious. I was like, oh, I wonder why, you know, she, you know, she really just found forest bathing. Are there other parts of, you know, experiencing nature, but it seems like it really just encompasses experiencing nature as a whole. It really does. This isn't rocket science. And Mm -hmm. what I found was fun for myself and what ultimately became my book, um, was that I enjoyed incorporating some of this quiet, contemplative, sensory, forest bathing while I was outdoors, walking, hiking, trail running, mountain biking, Mm -hmm. kayaking. And so uh, when I was talking with my editor originally, it was like, you know, this is what became a book. What what I like to do and, and the way that I like to incorporate some adventure plus the quiet practice of, of forest bathing. And so, yes, you can apply it to anything. Um, I, I will often say it's like child's play. It really is like child's play. It's like remembering your inner child and the curiosity that you had as a young child, or you can go out with a little kid and watch how they just notice everything and, yeah. and learn from them. If you've listened to many of our expert guests, you know that we all tend to need extra support for our gut health, whether that's taking a probiotic for optimal digestive and immune support, a digestive enzyme to optimize nutrient availability, or my personal favorite Nordic Naturals Nordic Flora prebiotic powder to support the beneficial probiotic bacteria in your gut and for a good source of fiber, there's gut health support for you, whatever your specific needs may be. And to make digestive and immune health more fun for children, Nordic Naturals offers probiotics in a pixie powder, gummy form, and a powder form for infants that can easily be mixed into room temperature food, formula, or milk. Head to nordic.com and use the code naturallywell15 for 15% off all Nordic Naturals digestive support products for adults, children, and infants. What have you seen from, you know, your patients, yourself, family in terms of the, just the benefits people have experienced both adults and children, because I know being outdoors for kids, I mean, I even just watch, um, I have a 15 month old and just watching him outside it's so different than watching him play indoors, you know, right. even though he may have the same exact toys outside right. that we bring out. I know. Um, so it's fascinating, but I'm, I'm curious what you've seen. Well, we know it's so good for kids and I'll probably digress a hundred different directions here, <laughs> but um, we know it's so good for kids to be outdoors in nature. Um, in fact, I was running this morning and I came across a man with two little boys who were playing in the dirt at a playground. And the dad, or not sure his relation, but anyway, the, the gentleman was saying, now, remember, just use the sticks in the dirt. Don't put your hands in the dirt. And I almost wanted to stop and say, no, let them put their hands in the dirt. Because we know that, I mean, it's so funny. It was literally this morning. I had to just keep going because it obviously was not my place to stop and tell him <laughs> what to do with the kids. But we know that coming into contact with the dirt 
is so good for us. They actually did a study of mice that were exposed to a certain bacteria in the dirt and found that those that were exposed navigated a maze twice as fast as the mice that were not exposed to that bacteria. So we know it affects our cognition and our development and our memory. It's like, let the kids play in the dirt. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true, right? All those little microbes in the soil and- I mean, yes, I will say as mom, like, is it enjoyable when your kid's always dirty? No, but you're constantly doing laundry anyways. So <laughs> who cares? Let them play in the mud. Let them get dirty. I'll throw all the clothes in a minute. Yeah. Yes, definitely. But in terms of um, this practice, you know, I have guided kids. I don't do kids as often as some of the guides in our um, in our cohort, um, in our guide world do. Um but it, it is really calming for kids to get out and and just, you know, sometimes I'll give them little magnifying glasses or mirrors or little different ways of noticing nature and see what happens with that. And it, it's just so much fun to watch. Um, you know, with adults, I've I've worked with a number of different populations. People will routinely report that they that they feel better afterwards in some way or another. Someone will say, I've had a headache for a week and it's finally gone. Or my joint pain that that nothing ever seems to touch. They'll they'll just look incredulous and say, after two hours of this practice, their joint pain is better. You know, these are not all things that I can explain yeah. scientifically necessarily, but but consistently people report even things that are physical feel better after a couple of hours. Every single time I guide forest bathing, there are all kinds of mental health benefits that people share. So it's, yeah. it's quite moving to see. No, in, it's in so progress. moving. And you know what, speaking of moving, you had on your website, a fascinating story about, um, a little girl with autism. Can you share that story? Yeah. And actually she was a young adult. Oh, with okay. autism. Yeah. Um, but she was at an intellectual age that was much younger. Um, but she, this was back in about 2010 or 11. Um, and this, this patient was brought to see me because her parents knew that I have a son with autism and, and we're just hoping that I would be able to relate with her and, she would be able to work with me. Um, but I walked into the exam room to see her and she was with her two parents and her caregiver from the group home she lived in. And as soon as I walked into the exam room, she was just very upset and nervous and anxious and was pacing around the room. And I thought, oh, this is not going to get anywhere. This won't go anywhere. And what am I going to do? And I said, would you like to take a walk outside? And so she looked at me just shocked and she was nonverbal, but her look said it all. And so we did, we, we walked outside. Um, we walked around the hospital. There was a paved sidewalk. And so we, we spent about 30 minutes outdoors walking around the building and 
it it was remarkable. I was never planning to do an exam on this patient in the first place. So it was one of those cases where I was just trying to develop some rapport, just trying to figure out what the history was. And it was a long, extensive history and trying to figure out what our next plan could be for her, which might not even necessarily involve me, but just needed to gain some trust and connection with her. And so we walked outside and, and she and I were walking ahead of her parents and the caregiver on this, you know, fairly narrow sidewalk. And I'm kind of looking over my shoulder as everybody else was giving me the history, but walking next to, um, to the patient. And all of a sudden she took my hand, the patient and, uh, the mother gasped and said, she never does this. She really trusts you. And I thought, Oh my goodness. I mean, it was just absolutely moving and incredibly productive that we were able to get outside of the four confined walls of the exam room, think outside the box as it were, and get out into some fresh air and just, just walk and move and be. And, um, I really do believe that it has to do with the fact that we were outdoors, that this whole thing took place. We were able then to make a plan of care for her that, that to this day, her parents have said that was an, a monumental day of change in her life. So, you know, that, that's something that we don't always get to be involved in in healthcare. We hope to have those interactions, but we don't always. So. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I feel like even, you know, when you tell that story, you think, okay, well, like taking the walls away, right? Like those confining walls, it probably took like some pressure off of her. Cause, right. And it's kind of, I feel like, I mean, at least I can speak for myself how I feel when I get outside. It's like, yes, you just breathe a little better. It takes off a little bit of pressure because also I think a part of being outside is you realize, how small you are, especially for me. I know when you look right. at the ocean, like that oh, was always something, you know, my husband, and I was talking about, like, we always need to be near the water because being able to look out onto the horizon and just realize how small we are and what else there is out there. I feel like just takes a little bit of pressure off of your own life. Or your right. own worries. I could not agree more. Yes. Or, you know, gazing up at the stars at night, all of these things that can help us to just regain a little bit of perspective. Absolutely. So I'm curious, how do you mix in nature therapy into your current practice? And I know, right, like every patient's different, but do you have an example of a protocol you would do with a client that would kind of combine? integrative medicine, maybe even some Western medicine and nature therapy? Sure. Well, I do try to go down the list of all of the tools in my toolbox. When I see a patient nowadays, everything from, you know, maximizing uh, micronutrients in the body and, you know, looking sometime at times at kinder, gentler herbal options if that might be appropriate, as opposed to a pharmaceutical drug, I always incorporate mind body practices, whether it's breathing techniques, something as simple as that, to recommending yoga, um, meditation. Um, and, and I almost always in an integrative 
plan. We'll mention nature. Obviously, with all of these things, we meet the patients where they are. And in some cases, talking about nature would be very far removed from their realm. Uh, But I'll try to work it in. And it might be as simple as, um, when was the last time you walked to the end of the block and back? And that's what I'd like you to do this week. And just notice what you notice when you do that. Something just as simple as that. Incorporating a little bit of physical activity with the elements of nature. Um, But it also might be as prescribed as uh, I worked with a nature center and created a trail RX project where we can give a, a much more specific prescription for how to get outdoors in nature. We actually created QR codes on signposts where people can connect with the website where they can listen to me reading, not reading, but um, guiding a forest bathing invitation. So kind of like a guided imagery guided meditation out in nature. They can listen on their phones while they're out there. We also included on there a physical health prescription where I calculated the metabolic equivalent of tasks or METs and calories burned for walking, jogging, or running each of five different trails based on the distance of the trail and the elevation grade of change of each trail. So that people can literally um, have a physical health prescription where I can tell a patient, you know, I'd like you to go out and walk Maple Trail, uh, you know, three times, that, you know, a day or per week um, for the next couple of weeks and, and see what you notice. Ideally, jot something down afterwards, journal about it a little bit, but I want you to report back how this experience was for you in two weeks And then after that, we might increase the increment of time or distance on these trails. And we know that that is going to benefit them in terms of blood pressure, heart rate variability. We even know blood glucose can be improved by time in nature and exercise. So it's it's like a compounding of the effects of getting people to exercise if they can do it outdoors in nature. So, So my prescriptions can be anywhere from Get that, put that baby in a stroller and go outside for a walk to let's give you a specific prescription daily or three times a day, a week or what have you. You know, I'm sure with a lot of your postpartum moms, you're giving a nature prescription just yes, to get outside I because I know I had the fear with my first, like leaving the house would make mm-hmm. just the thought of leaving the house would make me so anxious. I right. Like, I don't even know what to You're bring for him. Like, I don't know what to do. I mean, I even remember his first right. doctor's appointment. We're running out the door. We're of course already late. And <laughs> I'm like, oh wait, we should probably grab a diaper. <laughs> right. You know? But it was just, I did, I would get so anxious just to Absolutely. leave the house and leave that comfort but I know it did a lot of negative things to my mental health. And when I finally was comfortable enough to start walking all the time, it was like my saving grace. We would walk three yes. or four times a day. Um, and it really helped me heal faster. I think mentally Absolutely. and physically. Yeah, I completely agree. From my own postpartum experience, you know, 20 years ago uh, and I was on maternity leave during like February and 
<laughs> it was terrible. And yet, if you can get over yourself and bundle up, you can bundle the baby up adequately even in winter. But just to get outside and move a little bit can really change perspective on a colicky baby and you know the lack of sleep of the new motherhood days and weeks and months. <laughs> yeah. No, we I, we always like to say uh, Norwegians have a a quote they use that there's no bad weather. There's just bad clothes. Yes. So you can I always, always bundle that. up. Yes. And I also sometimes like, I mean, I'm not a huge cold fan. Like my extremities just get very cold, but there is something about that rush of when you go outside in the cold and the, the cold air just like hits your face. It wakes you up a little bit. It does. Like it really, I feel like it's invigorating. It's kind of like when you smell like some peppermint tea or right. Um, it makes just, you feel alive. <laughs> yeah. And it does. It, it it makes you use your senses more, which we've been talking about. Um, I think one of the biggest keys here though, and I'm really curious to hear your tips is so someone listening, right? Like this all sounds fabulous, you know, but a lot of people are, they feel so busy in their life right now. And they're thinking, okay, when can I make more time to get out in nature? How can I in, you know, integrate more of this nature therapy in my life? What would you say to them? What are some of those tips that you would give our listeners and that you, you know, practice yourself each day? Well, it requires me a lot of self-talk on certain days to get out. This morning, I didn't feel like getting outside and I, I finally dragged myself. You know, some days you're just not feeling it. Um, but I was so glad afterwards that I did, of course. But there was a study just a couple of years ago that looked at college students who they, they had half of the group sit outdoors on a park bench. And the other half sit indoors in a laboratory room with no windows for five minutes. Five minutes is all. They found and unplugged from their devices for five minutes. They found that the participants who sat on a park bench outdoors for five minutes reported improvements in nearly in all, all of the aspects that they measured of mental health had improvements in all of it as opposed to those who just sat inside in a room with no windows for five minutes. So in five minutes of sitting outdoors in nature, you can improve your mental health. So they replicated the study, increasing the duration of time to 15 minutes, and they found that it didn't matter. So five minutes was equivalent to 15 minutes of sitting outdoors on a park bench, doing nothing, disconnected from your devices. And you don't even have to go into the woods or go to a park. You can, you know, most places, most places of business have some outdoor bench or picnic table. It doesn't have to be amazing. Most places do have or whatever. You know, there are places outdoors for people to take a break and sit outside for five minutes. So um, that's one of the things I, I quote that study all the time, that if we can improve our mental health in five minutes of being outdoors for free, that's one of the best interventions we can possibly use. And it's hard to find anybody who can, um, who can convincingly 
state that they cannot find five minutes because I would argue that most people spend quite a bit more than five minutes messing around on their devices and just blowing time. So if you can't find five, find five minutes to sit outside or walk outside to improve your mental health, then I don't know what else I have to offer you. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's changing that mindset too, to like creating that five minutes, like right. create that five minutes in your, I mean, I will say if you saw my calendar on my phone, Suzanne, it's like, I plan in my entire to-do list. Like everything has a place. And I love that because if I need reminders of get outside, but I have to plan things in I do too. or the day just goes away and maybe that is that five too. minutes is taken up by social media or just, Absolutely. you know, Googling something, you know, random that I don't need to the know the rabbit answer hole. Of, right? <laughs> exactly. And then you realize all this time passes by. But one thing I find too, especially with it getting cooler out in most parts of, um, at least for most parts of the U.S., is there something about wanting to maybe like get outside and move and having a hot beverage? But I also know some people may be like, well, I already had my, I had two cups of coffee already. Right. Like, but I think a lot of I times do that all the people time. forget about just doing like some hot water and lemon or just Absolutely. hot water. And that's something like right. I'll find if I'm trying to drink my water before any type of caffeine and it still has the same effect. Absolutely. Or like doing an herbal tea. But uh, I'm a, I love herbal tea. Yeah. Oh my gosh, me too. Like a good hibiscus tea can win me over every time. But it's like just <laughs> having that that right? warm beverage with you. You're getting, you know, not only the benefits of nature, but you're getting that coziness feeling, which I feel like especially in wintertime too, we're all striving for. Right. Um and I don't know, that's, that's my tip on with it getting cooler out, something yeah. to help you get outside or even just enjoying 100%. your, your morning beverage outside. That's what like, my husband and I do yeah. almost every morning is walk outdoors with our coffee. So, so nice. It is. It really is. It can get you, it can get that. you out the door. Like this morning yes. when you probably didn't want to go, it, it's right. helpful. <laughs> yes. I didn't have my coffee for that run, but I, I do often we, we use that trick all the time. And, you know, I also, I'm, I'm really notorious for tricking myself and also for bribing myself. Um, some of my hacks are, I will often say that if I put on my exercise clothes and I don't do use them specifically, if I put on a sports bra and I don't get it sweaty, I'm really mad at myself at the end of the day. Um, and so if I put on the gear, I'm much more likely to get outside and use it than if I sit around in my pajamas all day. Um, and then also no, it's so true. Yeah. It's, they say, if you have your sneakers on during the yes. day, instead of slippers, like if you're working from right. home, you are way more inclined to get, you know, not even out to just move more yes. by having your sneakers on or your sneakers next to the door versus right. another pair of shoes. Right. It's so true. And yeah, I'll reward myself afterwards with whatever. Um, or I'll tell people, you know, just plan to walk to the end of the block or to your mailbox or whatever. But once you're out there, then check in with yourself and see if maybe you'd like to go a little further while you're already out, you know, while you're out, just maybe take it a little further. And in terms of nature, we forget that there is so much nature around us, even on our city street. And so we can forest bathe as we walk down 
you know, walk through our neighborhood, just paying attention to the sounds of birds and animals, just noticing colors or textures. I'll often do that. I'll, I'll say, for the next few minutes, I'm going to look for, you know, a certain color or, um, or during the fall, I'll, I'll play kind of a hopscotch of kind of a forest therapy experience while you're just walking down the street or look for insects or look for, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, if it's helpful for anyone with kids, now that my son's like a little bit older yeah. and we're trying to teach him things, I kind of play like an eye spy right? Like, and say, look, look at the green trees. So he's learning, you know, hopefully, hopefully colors. colors. Yeah. But then I noticed like it really makes me appreciate our walk so much more and taking right. it in. So I always find that's fun because I know a lot of parents struggle with like, what do I teach my kids or I'm not teaching them enough. And right. You know, there's a learning opportunity when Absolutely. you're out as well. Yes. It's so true. I heard it's funny on this run this morning, I saw the one guy with the little boys, another group um, had some little tiny preschoolers and I heard them saying, so can you find something else that is alive? And then they were talking about things that were living versus things that were not living. They were looking at rocks. They were looking at, you know, wood chips. They were looking at insects. And it's just so fun to see people outdoors with their kids doing these things. It just made my day. <laughs> yeah, no, it is fun. And, you know, you get in that like mode of, okay, what do I do with them now? Mm-hmm. You know, if they've played with the same toys over and over again, but nature, it's like, it's endless. The amount of right. things you can find and do with them. Um, no, it's all, it, it's so fascinating. And obviously, you know, we've talked about the healing and health benefits and I'm so happy you brought up just the five minutes a day, because I think mm-hmm. everyone can do that. And then, like you said, after that five minutes, check in with yourself and be like, well, mm-hmm. do I actually want to stay out here longer? Um, or do I want to come back out a little bit later when I have, you know, maybe a bit more time and you know, that habit will develop. Exactly. Yes. I cannot agree more. So we love Suzanne to end every episode with a little rapid fire Q and a, or our listeners can get to know our guests a little bit more. So first <laughs> thing that comes to mind, which this first one, I'm, you know, I feel like we <laughs> may know the answer, but what is your favorite de-stressing practice or support tool? Yeah, well, I think, you know, it. Um, <laughs> Outdoor activity, um, usually walking, running, hiking, mountain biking, outdoors. Love it. Uh, coffee or tea? Uh, I love both. That is a really tough one. Um, if I had to pick the one that I could probably not live without, though, it would unfortunately be coffee. It's just, it's a fact. And how how do you take your coffee? Do you just do black? Or... I do black coffee. Just plain black coffee, nothing in it. Yep. And my personal favorite question, what is your favorite home-cooked meal? Well, what my husband and I do more than anything else is we buy a bunch of vegetables that, you know, whatever's in season or looks good at the grocery store or the farmer's market. And we roast a bunch of vegetables. We do um, kind of a rice bowl or a quinoa bowl or things like that. We add um, seeds and nuts and all kinds of different things, maybe some kind of little 
dressing or a seasoning type of thing or a curry or, but we do that almost all the time. Just always we do that. So that's what we do. If I were to choose my favorite of my mother's home cooked meal, it would be different. Um, I have been vegetarian for several years now. However, my favorite childhood uh, meal that my mom made was meatloaf. And the last time I was at her house, she made meatloaf and I ate it and loved every minute of it. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. You know, (laughs) I know vegetarian 99.9% of the time, unless it's my mom's homemade meatloaf. (laughs) Unless, I mean, unless it's something right that will invoke those memories and that happiness and that feeling. And that's, I mean, that's honestly why we chose that as one of our rapid fire Q and a questions was there's always so much more to those answers. You know, it's never just, Oh, it just tastes so good. It's like, no, it's that feeling. And Again, like that coziness, like that hug, you know, you just want that hug with a meal because when you go to a restaurant, you can't get that. But when you get it from like, you know, a family member's cooking or, um, your, you know, your own cooking, because you see how your kids enjoy it. It just, it just makes it that much better. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. And that's what I say to my patients all the time. You know, I'm a big fan of the 80-20 rule where 80% of the time we do the best we can to eat as, as healthy as possible to exercise. And, but you know what, when your mother, your grandmother, whoever it is makes their special, whatever it is that you, that just evokes that sense of joy and comfort, eat it, eat the pie, eat the cookies, eat the meatloaf. And enjoy the heck out of it. I couldn't agree more. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much. This has been so great. Where can people connect with you, um, get your book, and just learn more about um, your research and your practice? Well, thank you. Um, I have a little website. It's integrativeinitiative.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Doc Susie, and I'm on Facebook also at Integrative Initiative. So I would love to connect with people. Um, my book, The Outdoor Adventurer's Guide to Forest Bathing, um, is published by Falcon. Falcon Books um, is available at stores that sell Falcon Guides. It is on Barnes and Noble and Amazon, and and by the publisher as well. So. Thanks love for that. asking all that. I love to I love connecting with people. So do please reach out. I will 100%. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kate. This week's actionable step is to get outside for at least five minutes a day and start utilizing some of the forest bathing practices Dr. Hackenmiller shared to maximize the benefits of nature for your health. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.